0: Welcome to Literary Tea. I'm Anna.
1: I'm Jorge, and we'll be your hosts in this podcast, in which we talk about literature together with other teams.
0: And today's episode is called "How is Brazilian portrayed in Brazilian literature?"
1: Anna, we know that our country has a very rich uh, literary culture, right? Yes. So, uh, based on that, and on what you've read, what you've listened in terms of music and what you've seen in terms of art in general. Uh, what do you identify, for example, as a source of inspiration for Brazilian artists and in general?
0: I think one of the most common inspirations that an artist has and seek is um, normal events or common, ordinary events Of his or her daily lives so I think it's very common for you to be like a different observer of what is happening around you and how can you make that those situations actually interesting or how can you give another point of view to them in your uh, kind of art like sculpture uh, painting Writing and so on.
1: I see. So, uh, as you mentioned, that uh, the inspiration of an artist can be brought up by daily life situations. Do you think that the time, like a specific time or century, anyway, that an artist lives on, uh, has to do with his, with his creative process?
0: Absolutely. I I totally agree with that, because if you are um, using your context to inspire you, contexts, contexts, they change throughout time. So, if we have, for example, we we discussed about Shakespeare uh, works in one of our previous episodes, and we discussed a little bit that he liked a lot to observe um, his surroundings to inspire him in in his plays in writing his plays. So I do think the context influences because what was uh, an ordinary situation uh, a daily routine I don't know for Shakespeare in the 16th century is not our context today. So. Like for example, if you talk about in your in your work, you use you you're making a critics about something technological.
1: Yeah.
0: How could a person from the beginning of the last century talk about the same thing because it didn't exist there?
1: Yeah, for him for her to to understand would be like. An anachronical thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like the same an anachronical s-
1: example. Is
0: exactly, and it's the same situation. If you if you take as an example some series like Black Mirror,
1: uh-huh. it
0: takes like modern days and modern technologies or technologies that we don't think today that they are impossible to exist. But if we had um, this kind of series in the 70s, that would have, I think, a different kind of um, engagement or objective to make people think or to entertain people. It influences the context. It wouldn't work, maybe, this series, as well as it it is working today, if it was in the 70s. I see. Uh...
1: Now you got me thinking that if all these uh, ideas you know about creation, about inspiration, technology, you know uh, in the context of Brazil, yeah, since we are putting into Brazil this time, uh, you know how different that can apply because our country is so wide in the sense?
0: Yes, that is so true. We have a a very large country and that definitely influences in our culture. Yeah. We we cannot say. Of course we can say as a as a short way of saying it, but it's not true for us that live here. Uh, so a certain picture of how Brazil is. Some people may say okay, it's soccer Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> uh samba and that's it and and forests okay this is not totally uh false and not totally true of brazil yeah we have five regions in our country and each region has its own uh customs
1: so even when when we say like brazilian literature brazilian music or brazilian culture in general sometimes for me it sounds It doesn't sound wrong exactly but when we look at the the quantity of regions and different customs that we have in Brazil like so wide that it almost sounds like not right (laughs) to say.
0: It's a, a, a general way of saying something and that sometimes it can... it's not offensive but it's like We as northeasterns sometimes we feel like forgotten.
1: Yeah, I I do feel that. No.
0: It's like forgotten. And I think people people from the north or the central west, they may think they may feel like something I'm forgotten because only the people who live in my region knows about our culture. But people from São Paulo or Rio de Janeiro (laughs) they uh they sometimes they don't know about us. Uh, it it also has to do with some uh, prejudice, and we know that we 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 feel that. But it's a thing that we would like that people know more.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, okay. It may not be relevant to the purpose of the episode, but as mentioned, I, I think you know. We should even highlight to our listeners that of the, the episode that we are hosts from the northeastern region of Brazil. Yes. But we're not from Rio or São Paulo because, okay, I know that not everyone that lives out of Brazil think that uh, think only of Rio and São Paulo, but I, I have the impression that when you're talking to someone like who is not from Brazil, they like always, almost always have this impression, like, ah, are you from Rio? Yeah, something like that. And since we are talking about, okay, uh, how the the question, and the theme of the episode, how is Brazil portrayed in Brazilian lit? And you mentioned, yeah, it has to do with customs, culture, time. Uh, We've chosen to talk about the 20th century, yeah.
0: yeah, it's important to mention that we, as Brazilians, we belong to a young nation. And it's very different from, for example, England. If if we, we were like a nation of so many centuries, it would be difficult for us to select a century to talk about. Yeah. But as we are very young, we only have five hundred years of Brazil, as Brazil, Uh, we chose to talk about more in this episode about the 20th century because we noticed that the 19th century in Brazil was marked mainly by works that uh, inspired, they were so much inspired by European styles that they didn't seem like Brazilian. They seemed like um, I'm not trying to be offensive, but a copy of a style, a foreign style.
1: Yeah, because if even uh, <laughs> even if you take uh, in any work from the 18th or the 19th century in Brazil, okay, there will be a Brazilian identity. Yes, yeah, there will be in the work, but. Especially the form. I'm not really pointing, almost not always to the content, but the form, especially in poetry, for example. So it's very uh, European-based in a sense.
0: Rigid tradition. (laughs) Yeah. Traditional, actually. And it doesn't seem like authentic. That's what we are trying to say. Why we chose the 20th century. And to prove that, I think. We can talk a little bit ab- about uh, how did we organize the 20th century in Brazil regarding specific, specifically literature. Okay, we are talking about literature, but it doesn't mean that we are not talking about other um, forms of art.
1: Yeah. Right. 20th century, uh, many things happening in politics, in culture, but as we were just talking about the the fact that Brazilian literature, for example, didn't seem that authentic, uh, it is now on 20th century that we'll have this mark of authenticity in in art in general, especially in lit. So uh, we can start talking about what we call here, the Modern Art Week, and it, it happened in 1922
0: in Sao Paulo, <laughs> our center of everything in the yeah. country. It,
1: it, it, it happened in Sao Paulo, and the idea of the Modern Art Week was to, you know, artists and writers, musicians, they got together to, you know, manifest this idea that we had to break with. Everything that was so traditional and rigid about the creation of art. So uh, the the Modern Art Week was not was not taken very seriously, actually. Yes. So the presentations, the music played, the poems read, every almost everything that was presented during this week, in terms of, of writings and music and so on, was not taken very seriously.
0: I think that also proves how rigid and traditional we were yeah. back then because if we couldn't take something so remarkable seriously is that I I at least in my opinion it means that we were so fixed in the tradition that that we couldn't accept anything that would be different I think
1: yeah exactly and the modern art week is what marks what we call when we try to put in a category modernism, the beginning of modernism in Brazil. And uh, a very important work,
0: in, yeah, in it, terms
1: of literature, is Marco Naima, for example, by Mário de Andrade. Mário de Andrade was one of the of the writers who were engaged in the Modern Art week.
0: Yes, and it's important for us to say that uh, specifically in literature that is what we uh, what we are focusing on the episode it's important to say that Makunaima as well as other works that we are going to mention were part of a artistic movement in lit called regionalism and this kind of movement uh, really shows us how, authentic or uh, different, authentic, original, we wanted to be considering what was uh, were literary works before. So, some, some characteristics that were very um, pointed out in these works, they all have in common. Some patriotism with Brazil in that time, they all showed us some realism all of these works they they it's intentional for them for these authors to show common people and their lives and their problems for example we have um, some some topics that are very presented in these works such as social class social um some other social aspects we had also a tendency of linguistic freedom from the writers from the authors so they they wrote as they wish as they wanted to present so even some terms that are spoken in our region and people from São Paulo don't know what they mean and every part in the world has this, every country has this. So these words, these regionalisms, they were presented in these books and as a symbol of, I don't know, resistance, identity and so on. So this is very unique in terms of of work from what we had before.
1: Yeah, I think I can get this word that you just used identity. You know, because uh, from all these characteristics that you just mentioned, if we take uh, the patriotic, you know, theme during this period, uh just as an example, Mario de Andrade, you know, gathered lots of myths from all regions of Brazil and put together in one novel and the protagonist had to live through these myths. So, okay, that was a form of patriotism and a form of setting this Brazilian identity. And he did, and he did really a lot of research before writing Makunaíma.
0: I think it also shows how plural we are. Yeah. If if someone gathers all of the myths that we have, all of the um, local stories, as, as we say, the folk stories that we have, uh, some people from the north, they have their own, yes. and some people from the south, they have their own, and someone gathers this, these stories in one work, and this is, this is so unique in a way that I, don't, I cannot even express it, because I think it's genius.
1: And okay, uh, we just I just said Makunaim as an example of this patriotism and so on. But you also mentioned social criticism, right? Yes. How do you see that? How do you see that in a work from this period, from the modernist period?
0: Well, we have a very famous. He is from Bahia. Uh-huh. This author, his name is um, Jorge Amado. Your name. Yep. <laughs> Jorge Amado, he is a, a very regional author from Bahia. And in his works, he has like a mix of the following themes um, racial issues, uh, also social criticism in the sense of um working classes and yes, so on prejudice poverty, yeah. yes poverty and so on and he also talks in some works about some some african religions that mm-hmm. were incorporated in brazil and today they have their own their own identity but um i don't know how we would say that in english but are there are religions based on african religions
1: yeah it was so, all part of the mix that happened in brazil yeah. yes
0: yes so, for example, we have uh, one book that is Cumpadi de Ogun, and it's basically a story, very fantastic, like in, in the sense of lit uh, genre. It's very fantastic literature because it says the following. Ogun, in the title, is one entity from this African religion that we call here uh, Candomblé. Uh-huh and I think Ubanda also has Ogun, the same entity and uh, the story is this, some, some guy has his wife and she uh, is pregnant, the child is born and this man, I don't remember his name, he says that the godfather of his son is going to be Ogun an entity and the book is very short and it make it's like and it's not tragic it's like very very funny to read quick a quick reading and it's basically this the, how can you how can you put how can you name an entity as the godfather of your son and and i think i don't remember quite well because i read it long time ago but the book doesn't have, actually, a problem, like the like the hero journey or something like that. And that's okay. It's just a book about daily life.
1: But it shows these religious point of view, Yeah, right? and in
0: this case, it's the religion's point of view. And another one, I think you know more than me, that talks f- uh, about the other things that Jorge Amado brings uh-huh. in his work is... Capitães de Areia, that in a translation, I think it would be, like, uh, Captains of the Sands. And I do think this one has a translation for English, right?
1: Yeah, it has. But actually, I haven't read it yet, but as far as I read about it, and what I've seen people telling me about the book, it deals with, uh, you know, class issues, especially Poverty, uh, the life in streets, you know, uh, in in this sense. So.
0: Like surviving,
1: right? Yeah, I think that captains of the sense is most about surviving. Yes. You know, in in Brazil, which is so uh, unequal. Yeah. You know, in terms of class.
0: Until today.
1: (laughs) Yeah, until today. Until today. But actually, and you, see, and you see, I'm so proud, you know, that these works that we are talking about now, they are from they, they were written by a northeastern author.
0: Author, yeah. That is another thing that we've noticed when we were selecting the work to talk about here, uh, concerning this period about regionalism. And here we are talking we are talking basically about the the 1930s in Brazil, this decade was marked by regionalism and uh, 99% of the works of this movement, of this style, were authors from the northeast. So I think that um, this fact that we've noticed, we didn't even realize that until we were thinking about this episode, that uh, only coincides with uh, the characteristics of regionalism this movement that is talking about our surroundings our social issues because since since the beginning of times I'm exaggerating it's not the beginning of All times right. but we are one of the people from Brazil that are discriminated because we are poor, because we don't have so many natural resources where we live and other things. We don't have many job opportunities here, so that's that's why uh, we, we are very discriminated. Today, I don't think that's too much.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think one work that really talks about these issues, social issues, That we serve as northeastern people is Vidas Secas from Graciliano Ramos. That we have a translation in English called Barren Lives. And this story is very interesting because we did have this movement in Brazil that were people from the northeast moving from Sao Paulo to get. Job opportunities to improve their lives and etc. But these people, they were poor. It's not like let me take my car yeah. from
1: let me book a flight to São Paulo. Yeah, let
0: let me book a flight to São Paulo and arrive there ready to find a job. No, we are talking about people uh, that were not educated and only worked as let's say farmers to survive. These same people were the ones that were suffering with the the dry land. Because here in Northeast we don't we don't have many many rain, rain times, rainy times. So some some years it doesn't rain here at all. And the plantation suffers. Consequently we suffer because we don't have food. So many people died of starvation. And when they decided to go to São Paulo or Rio de Janeiro to get better job opportunities, they they went there on foot, I guess?
1: Not necessarily. Yeah.
0: But the conditions were very yeah. miserable. Sometimes they even died in the way of going to São Paulo. Y- yes, that was the,
1: what I was going to mention, because you mentioned barren lives, yeah. And uh, the, the the story, you know, that Graciliano Ramos written, wrote, is actually so barren in this sense, because the novel is set on the drylands, yeah, as just mentioned here, and it is basically the story of a family trying not to die. <laughs> because of lack, no due to the lack of job, lack of opportunity, so they are constantly, you know, uh, migrating from one place to another. Yeah, this Uh, is the book, it's it's the
0: migration.
1: Within the drylands, that we call here sertão, specifically sertão here, which is the place that you mentioned, very dry, it doesn't rain often and so on. So, they are migrating and moving from one place to another within the drylands. Yes. And it is a very, you know, even even it being so barren and dry, it is very poetic, the work, because of, I think that this is the first work that I remember that from the originalism uh, period that brings uh, up front in the novel the, the thinking, the emotions, the ideas, that are within the minds of the characters because the family that is portrayed is a very, what we would call in, in the past, maybe, a very traditional family from the drylands. very poor and uneducated, so uh, it's so interesting that the author, uh, you know, uh, brings to us the thinking of the characters and and, and we have a very a close relation to what they think, to what they're feeling, and even the animal, you know, their pet. Yeah,
0: they, they have a pet, uh, it's a dog, it's called baleia, a female dog, <laughs> yeah. and we, it's one of the most famous things about, the fact about the, this work is that we can relate even with the dog that is just a dog, it's not a person and, and we feel so, um I don't know only pity, but I don't know, I don't want to say pity, but we are so um involved with their suffering yes. and their struggle that we are worried about all of them, especially the dog.
1: Yeah, I I just want to say that when I read uh, Baron Lives, uh, you know, the dog, spoiler alert, the, the dog eventually dies, and, you know, all the novel is so dry and Dry in hard. the sense of,
0: of the lack of feeling, right? Yes,
1: it's hard, uh, there is dust, there is you know, sun, but the moment when the dog dies is so poetic and sensitive, that I think that almost everyone who reads the story ends up crying in this moment, and I'd like to say that it is the moment when it rains in the story.
0: Interesting. I'd like to,
1: to see it like that. But Very interesting. Yeah, so apart from all the social issues that the novel you know, brings to the front, there is also this poetic feeling, even uh, it being so hard and dry and barren.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we've been talking about uh, the first main period of Brazilian lit, Brazilian art in general, that is the modernism. It began in the, in the 1920 and it ended, ended <laughs> up to like almost in the middle of the century. Yes. And coincidentally or not, we after that we also had a very remarkable another remarkable uh, event in our society in the sixties that were the dictatorship yes. military dictatorship that we have in sixty four, but um, we can we can include that because it it um, lasted twenty years yes. so it's it's not like any dictatorship, but we can also talk about when it wasn't a dictatorship in Brazil. And here we have, like I think we can say that while we had in the previous moment, like the beginning of an authenticity in art and Authors creating their style, feeling totally free to write as they wish to write. We have here like the consolidation of it. Yeah,
1: I was thinking about that now now things sort of settle down. Yeah, Yeah. because in the beginning, especially in the the 20s, there was all those uprisings and uh, revolts in the sense of we need to make our own art, and we need to create our own identity, our own experience. Like our Brazilian experience with art and music and lit. It that had a now, sense
0: more, more like urgent. Yeah, almost
1: I'd say revolutionary to this point. And as I said, that's the perfect word, like settled now yes, in this part of the.
0: Settle down, and um, we had here now other contexts, other other kinds of works and styles um, appearing, and now we, we also have here, I think, the the authors that are more uh, known outside Brazil, besides Machado de Assis, All right. <laughs> <laughs> because Machado de Assis, we, it's, I think it's the most
1: widely known,
0: widely known. but here we, we have um, Clarice Lispector, Queen Queen and I think Clarice, he, he began, she began writing. Um, I think in the in the fifties, I guess. So she is kind of pre dictatorship, mm-hmm. and she for us she's like the Virginia Woolf. Yeah, in she England. was
1: so compared to Virginia Woolf.
0: Yeah, why is that? Because she has the same kind of style of Virginia Woolf, that is a train of thought kind of writing. I'm writing about what is passing through my mind. Yeah. In her case, what what is passing through the character's mind. So it's like you are a narrator, an outside narrator, but that has the access of the the character's mind, it's something like that. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, and what is the most interesting thing is that she also uh, talked about common situations of of our lives. There is a uh, she was a writer of of um, novels and of short stories, and we have this book of short stories called. Laços de Família, that in English it would be like family boundaries, Uh I guess. I don't know if it has a translation. And uh, there is a short story, for example, that is called Amor, Love. And you think, okay, you may think of many pre-ideas of what it's about, but it's very interesting because it's out of the blue, the idea. She begins talking about a woman that has her own family, her ordinary life, <laughs> she cooks for the family, she she has her, her children, etc. And she does everything, every day, like a routine. She never gets out of her routine. And one day, she decided to go to... Uh, a place in the town, like a park or something like this, to buy something. And when she comes back home, she is in the bus, but not the bus. It's like the old bus. I don't know how we say in English. Ubondi. And she sees in the window a blind man in the street. He is okay. He's not in pain. He's not suffering anything. But he, this woman, when she sees the blind man, she starts to have an epiphany of life, of her life specifically, and it's like, it's somehow that event changed her completely. In turn, an intern change, internal change, and the, the tale ends with her arriving at home, and we already feel that she is different, but we don't know how because the tale ends. Mm-hmm. So the story is very provocative. Cla- Clarice has this thing of uh, provoking us about life, about existential, existentialism and things like that. And I, I think about... When I think of her, I think of works that don't ex- exactly talk about the context of dictatorship. But we, we do have some authors that used to write used used to write uh, when the military dictatorship was already happening in Brazil, yeah. like Lígia Fagundes Telles. That I think people will know her about the Nobel Prize of Literature that year that Bob Dylan won. She was um, awarded. She was awarded, too, in that same year, but uh-huh. but he won, so she was there, she's still alive, and she's also a woman that, her works talk a little bit about, has this style of train of thought also, but not as much as, as Clarice. And she has a novel called As Meninas, or The Girl in the Photograph, this book, we know that it has a, a translation in English, And this book is portrayed exactly in the dictatorship time and it has as protagonists three girls, three teenagers with three different uh, mindsets, way of thinking about life. Like one of the girls is very activist and against the dictatorship. The other is very alienated she doesn't know what is happening. She doesn't even care. And the other girl, the third one is very um, it's she's a model. she is not involved in this. So we have like three perspectives of mind in that time that I think it it can reflect ways of thinking of people in that time, people that were very conscious about the how serious it was the dictatorship, people who like the bourgeois that didn't care because it was not affecting them directly, and people who were alienated. So these works they seem that they are not like that serious, that deep, but they are.
1: I I was thinking now that you said yeah, Ligunelli uh, is she has also this sort of uh, I've never read her, right? But as from what I've read about her, uh, she touches in this urban context, yeah, much more than we had like in regionalism.
0: yeah, that's that's also another difference. We have now people talking more about, the urban context, and the the not only the daily situations, but the issues that big cities had. Uh,
1: you know, um, that's what happens too with Caio Fernando Abreu, which is an author. Uh, he lived through the military dictatorship. I, I can't recall if he wrote and published during the military dictatorship, but I think he only published works after it was over. I'm not really sure, but his works uh, are so you know are some, somewhat similar to Clarice, to Clarice, you know, mm-hmm. because okay, you mentioned Clarice as this author that uses a lot of train of thought, you know, stream of consciousness that looks in the inside of the mind of the protagonist. Caio Fernando Abreu used to say that you know he was a huge fan of Clarice. And I didn't I couldn't identify any any resemblance until I read Clarice. I'm now reading a, a work from Clarice. I'm not sure if it has a translation, but it is her first novel, which is entitled
0: Perto do Coração Selvagem. Yeah, Perto
1: do Coração Selvagem. Close to the Wild Heart,
0: uh-huh. I guess. I don't know if this is the translation.
1: But good one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, th- this work of hers has a lot of stream of consciousness already. And uh, I've read quite a few short stories by Caio Fernando Abreu and even his first novel. And he's, he sometimes uses stream of consciousness. He, he applies it to his works. But for me, what is most interesting about his short stories, specifically, is this... Okay, he has some works, some stories that, you know, throw us back to the context of the military dictatorship, but most of the stories, they are set after this period. And they, you know, uh, they show this lack of perspective you know, um, that
0: people used to have, right? Yes. Our parents, for example, they lived not may, maybe not the beginning of the dictatorship as like teenagers. Maybe they were born when the military dictatorship began. Yeah. But my mom, for example, she lived the end. She was like 20 when it ended. And it's very interesting to talk with these people that. Are still alive with us to to know a little bit more about history, about what happened, because they were there. Yeah,
1: yeah. and Caio, uh, when he writes, you know, his stories, and, and you feel, you know, it's something that you can feel immediately. In some stories, there is a touch of pessimism, you know, that I can mostly relate to the the to the dictatorship, you know. What's coming now? it's the end of the century because he wrote almost at the end of the century. Maybe so.
0: it's similar to what some authors, like American authors tried to to put in their works after the Second World War.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: because we were not directly affected by the by both wars, not as much as Europe and United States, okay we were affected in some other ways but not seriously not with so much deaths yeah so many deaths but it's if, uh, if you are looking for a reference it would be more more or less like this the lack of perspective we are in a situation that it's so bad that when it ends even though we are happy because it ended because it ended we don't know what is coming next.
1: Yeah, and and what I think interesting is that Cayo touches in very uh, he uses a lot of you know daily elements in his stories, but and he and he describes them in a very literary manner. Like he talks about you know he describes someone uh, taking a shower, someone running in the street. He describes the sweat. The odor of the sweat. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like uh, let us talk about the daily life because that's what we have, and let's put what's going on now after everything that we've been through. So he talks about you know uh, he touches on sex, i uh, sex issues like um, homosexuality, bisexuality. He touches on these points.
0: Things that were like taboos. Yes. And...
1: And uh, drugs, you know, this hipster culture, he also touches on this. Yeah. So his works at the time were not seen as literature.
0: Mm -hmm. Because we do have a tendency of not accepting the different. Yeah. The thing that is different until the time gives us the answer if it's still alive or not.
1: Exactly. And a great example of all these issues and examples and themes that I just mentioned about Caio Fernando Abreu, we can find it in his, I think it's his, you know, major work, is Morangos Morfados. I didn't find any translation to English, but it's a book of short stories.
0: So uh, it's another example of how plural we can be even in literature, not only in culture. Yeah.
1: You uh, see, even the title of the work, Modal would be like, Moldy...
0: Strawberries?
1: Yeah, Moldy Strawberries.
0: Yeah, so it's very um, intentional, <laughs> I guess, I, I didn't, I haven't read that book, but it's, is it intentional? Yes, it
1: is. Oh. The book is divided into two parts, the, no, I'm actually three parts. We have the strawberry, I, I think it is the mold, the strawberries and the moldy strawberries Mm. in the end.
0: I see. And what is most interesting or even ironic in this period, especially in the military dictatorship period, is that we, on one side, we had a very strong censorship of art. Everything that um, went against the proposal of the, the military dictatorship was censored and on another side we had many many artists emerging in this time as we we were just saying some some writers but we also had some famous names in music for example like Chico Buarque,
1: uh,
0: Caetano Veloso, People that are still alive, they are like living histories, Gilberto Gil, people that everybody knows, their names are widely known and spread, their music is very known also, and we are just uh, selecting some examples of literature and now music, but it also involves another form of art, right?
1: mentioned all these examples of you know books and authors and artists and and I was thinking uh, how is it going today like
0: yeah it's it's simple to talk about the 20th century but it, it is already over
1: exactly and it is already you know catalogued to us
0: yeah we are 20 years on the 21st century so what is what is happening now in Brazil regarding
1: literature I because I, I was thinking that I believe that we still cannot you know organize it because the contemp the contemporaneity isn't over yeah and they cannot tell when it when it started so it is very complex in this sense but at least today I, I think that uh you know I'm gonna be quite frank <laughs> I don't know many writers like Brazilian writers that are publishing like this year last year I don't know many but I have the impression that even though these people that write and publish nowadays they are not that much spread and noticed they you know Uh, Things nowadays are are probably easier to be published, the ideas are easier to be spread, even though they're not that much consumed.
0: Yeah, I think we were talking about this in the beginning and it's important to recall this now. Artists, most of them base their works in daily lives, in, in daily events. And today in Brazil, we have a different Brazil from the regionalism in the last century. So today we have a more open Brazil in the sense that the regions of our country, they are not so distant from the the center of everything, the country that is São Paulo. So in the past, we only knew Uh, an author from Minas Gerais, or an author from our state, for example, if this author, by any means, arrived in São Paulo, in the bookshops. But today, with internet and social media, many artists that are very young, they are known, They, they are there, and you have the access. They don't have to go to São Paulo, they don't have to go to a radio program or a TV show to be known. Of course, it helps, but it's not the only factor for you to be famous, for people to know
1: you. Yeah, so in the sense, we can say that social media is helping a lot. It's helping the authors. Like, I can write a series of poems within five years and then just publish Publish it on internet or try to sell it via Amazon.
0: Yeah, you you can do like for example make an ebook. Yeah, Rupi the the poet.
1: Oh yeah, Rupi Kau. Rupi Kau. Kau.
0: She she has her works, but she publishes some of them on her Instagram enough to make you read them and like her and maybe buy, buy her book. All right. so you can show a little bit of your work on social media and I'm, I'm not talking about only literature I'm talking about people who draw
1: yeah
0: uh, people who who paint who uh, do handcraft
1: I feel a lot of that on Instagram for example yeah I so follow many people who write who, who paints and who draw yeah, sketches and
0: me too so and also musicians yeah true so it's easier, in a, in a sense that you are more seen, in this sense. Your art is more seen than before. But I think famous, only time can tell.
1: Yeah, because uh, just an example that, you know, came to mind now. I follow uh, this guy on Instagram. Uh, I think it is at Marco Romani and he has an EP of, I think, six eight songs on, on Spotify and it just came to be on an advertisement of Spotify. Randomly. Randomly. And I okay
0: I I'll listen I to listen I
1: listened to it and then I gave him a feedback of how nice it was on Instagram. And it is an EP, a well produced EP. You know, yeah he composed all the songs but he's not that known.
0: I also knew uh, a boy from Rio Grande do Norte, our neighbor state <laughs> and He's a musician. He plays for a long time, and he put a video on Instagram of he singing a music of his own. And his voice was so nice for me that I also gave him a feedback. And he was like, I could feel it. It. I think it's because I'm very into art, appreciating art, not yeah. art like producing it, but uh-huh. appreciating art that I, I was very happy because he was happy.
1: Yeah, me too, when I gave this guy the feedback of listening to his EP.
0: Yeah, so I think today uh, you don't need to be so privileged in the sense of... in the sense of people from the last century, because okay, you, you, we talked about Gaciliano Ramos, we also have João Guimarães Rosa that we didn't mention, but these people normally they were doctors, they were lawyers, <laughs> So they had like a formal education, very high, they were not poor
1: people. Like they had another career.
0: Yeah, and, and they became like famous in this sense, and today it, it's not that required
1: for you. Yeah. you. You
0: just have to show your work, and showing your work is free.
1: And I think that's the path that our literature and art will be following, you know, from some years on the idea of diversity. I think that's the word, like diversity, because...
0: Diversity and democratization. Uh, yeah,
1: sure. This is
0: this is Brazil.
1: Yeah, because we cannot catalog it now, it's impossible. Maybe like 90 years from now, someone will look back at the 21st century in Brazil and try to...
0: And we'll study, <laughs> organize, it, organize it better, as we did
1: with the last century. Yeah, but Nowadays, that's it, as you said, democratization and diversity. We cannot grasp grab everything because
0: so, I, so I, many. I think that that really shows Brazil. Brazil, we are diverse, we are authentic, and we uh, spread our arts and make it ac- accessible to people. And I think these characteristics were well demonstrated in the works that we just talked about. Well guys, this was our fourth episode called How is Brazil portrayed in Brazilian literature? We hope you like it!
1: And if you liked it, please share with your friends and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at lit.podcast.
0: And leave a comment on our post about this
1: episode. See you all on our next episode of Literary Tea Podcast.